0: Coming to you live from Asteroid M. It's your favorite mutant masterminds, the Hateful Geeks. Tonight, we have our first interview. We're welcoming a good friend of ours, Keith, to the show. Keith is a lifelong comic book enthusiast, from being a fellow collector all the way up to every geek's dream and running his own comic book store. We're going to pick his brain, see what's great and mostly awful in the comic book world today, and what it takes to stay afloat in the biz. All right, welcome back for the Hateful Geeks. I'm Phil. This is Sweeney. I'm Andy. And this is Tim. This week we've got a special episode. Our boy Tim has a, he's going to take the reins and he's going to lead a little interview with our new and uh, special friend Keith uh, who our guest star today. Tim, take it away. So, um I guess like I- I'm going to start with
1: um your be- the beginning really your time running Midgard Comics and you know what What made you decide, hey, I'm going to open up a comic book store?
2: All right. Uh, Well, I mean, introductions being what they are, I I go by Keith Creighton, which is a Ramones uh, reference. uh, And rock and roll started everything for me, and it also is why I wound up with a comic shop in a weird way. Uh, There was a store called Castle Black, and the guy who was running it was a musician as well. I used to buy comics from him, and I bought comics uh, from Comic Town, and I bought comics from Tamarack Circle. It all depended on what store I could go to. Uh, So I split my pull-up because I was a comic junkie. I had to have my comics. So if I could only make it to Comic Connection, I got my Supermans. I had my Superman pull there, all the Superman books. Comic Town, I had all my X books there. And then Castle Black, I got a lot of indie stuff, and he got a lot of weird like goth stuff and things like that. So Castle Black uh, was kind of struggling, and he wanted to get out of it, and he wanted to get back into playing music. Well, I had played music for years back in New England, and I still had all this equipment, a PA and all these amps, and they were just sitting there. I wasn't doing music anymore, and I was like, well, I'll trade you all this gear for comics, and he's like, cool. So I got a huge chunk of comics, and I started running trade shows on the side. And I make a few extra bucks and, you know, add to my collection. And uh, then it, it was like, wow, I really kind of dig this. And he was out of it. He was just like, I don't want to have a store anymore. So long story short, I bought into his store, me and uh, my wife at the time. He was our partner. And then we wound up buying him out. So it's kind of funny where, you know, I got out of music and I got into comics. So then I did comics and I had the store and... Uh, gaming took off so we had magic which was doing really well uh you know we we would do our magic stuff on saturdays comic town did it on Fridays, so it was kind of a neat flow we would do friday like the friday night stuff i had bands that would play in the area so we ran music on friday nights and saturday nights we ran our gaming during the day we kind of flip-flop with other places that would do their gaming at night and uh so that worked out. So I had a comic store and kind of a coffee house music venue, and I did that for a number of years. And uh, it, it was it was great. Um, but the I guess the easiest way to explain why it stopped is uh, I have a little girl who's special needs and uh, also ASCAP. I'm not sure if anyone knows about ASCAP in regards to the recording industry. I got interviewed by MTV and... Uh, all these Warped Tour bands played my venue and were saying all these great things about me. And, oh, there's this great place. There's a comic shop. And all these kids go. There. There's like 150 kids. And we play these great shows. Well, ASCAP took my entire interview and and kind of came after me and said, hey, you know, you're doing all this stuff. You owe us royalty money. You got to pay us because your kids are playing cover songs. Oh, man. So... It was that, and then my insurance was like my insurance company caught wind of it and was like, "You have insurance to have a place where kids are playing Pokemon and magic, not to have 150 punk rock kids bouncing off the walls of a 1,500 square foot place." <laughs> so my insurance changed. Um, unfortunate, though, because uh, you know, Daryl, who passed away, he, you know, he was the guy. He was uh, he was the big telltale sign of how lucky I was that something crazy didn't happen there. I, you know, I ran that right. for years and years. Um but you know that was it I I I just had a love of comics I collected comics I loved music and I love music and it just kind of snowballed and that's that's pretty much where it came from
1: I've got I've got a question um because I, I remember being younger that Midgard had comic and you guys mm-hmm. played music and you had mentioned that that bands were out uh, from like the Warp tour do you mm-hmm. remember any bands that played there cuz now as uh I'm
2: something just curious. corporate uh played there um uh Bayside played there uh, Bouncing Souls, uh, the Lazy American Workers, which is actually uh, Beefcake of Guar. It's his side band. They played there. Um, uh, Hawthorne Heights, who were local, but they, you know, they started playing at my place. Um, you know, I, there, there's tons because I would book anybody, right, sight unseen. It was just like, sure, you can play my place. I don't care. You
1: know? I'm just, yeah, I was just more curious because, like, because you know, when I was younger, for whatever reason that I that I don't remember um i you know i couldn't i couldn't get over there or it was an, it was a bit of a slightly older crowd so it was like a little intimidating now i'm just curious of like what bands i missed
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty wild uh it, it's all a blur i did over 500 shows in the 3 years that we had the larger venue we first started doing in the comic shop which was fucking ridiculous <laughs> excuse my french no you're cool uh, it, it was you know, in the comic, picture, you know, you, you, you go to comic town, they have gaming night and you know, there's a ton of people there instead of a ton of people, like literally like playing cards on the comic boxes, picture like people standing on the comic boxes. You're like, cause you had to cover them up <laughs> and there's, you know, it's, yeah, it was, it was not a That's wise That's pretty,
1: thing. That, I mean, it does sound pretty nuts though. And, and uh, of course a, a great time, um, so now you're working at, uh, you're at World's Greatest Comics. Yes. And uh, so what, what brought you back? The, you know, like your, it, your Spidey like suits the mob. the trash. You yeah.
2: can't, comic <laughs> books are the mob. You never, ever escape. Uh, Jeff uh, Patrick Deona, uh, he worked at uh, the Comic Connection in Tamarack Circle. Okay. That's where I first met him. I moved here in 92. And I was getting my books there and I met him and, you know, we were on good, friendly terms, et cetera, et cetera. And Jeff, uh, he'd been doing trade shows uh, for years and years and years and years. Um, so I would see him at, at, the, at the shows. And like I said, when I started doing trade shows, I see Jeff there and everything else. Um, when Midgard moved locations, we had a temporary location uh, in Westerville before I kind of got out of things for a while. And, uh, Jeff was, you know, for lack of a better term, I guess he was kind of like a silent partner. He didn't invest any money in it, but he paid rent for X amount of space in the store and he would sell. Basically he would do, you know, his setup like he does it at a, at a con. So his stuff was for sale while it was in storage. Um, and we got a percentage of whatever sold. We kept track of it. We had a little book, you know, this sold, hey, you know, Adventure Comics, blah, blah, blah for X amount. And, um, and that worked out great because uh, the toughest part of having any kind of a retail place is you got to spend X amount of money to fill your place with a whole bunch of stuff. And if it's not selling, then it's just kind of there. So we had a whole chunk of great old books and other stuff that was his in our store that we had nothing invested in. If it sold, we made some money, and it was great window dressing too. Because you know, we always call that stuff kind of like you know dust collectors. You all those statues and all that stuff. Somebody might pay two hundred bucks for it, but if it's there, it's just kind of sitting there. Uh, so we focused on the new stuff, the new books, the polls, and uh, he had all that, and that was just kind of a great relationship. But again, uh, long story short, there my my daughter who is special needs her uh, her needs got. Uh, a little more pronounced, and uh, my relationship at the time, uh, it needed more attention. Um, so uh, I had to get basically from, I guess, a real job, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, I worked in fine dining my whole life. Uh, I'm a chef. Uh, I worked for a lot of great uh, chefs. I was classically trained uh, back east. I came out here, and then I worked for a bunch of shitty places just for work. Uh, so that's what I, I went and got back into and, you know, uh, kind of walked away from it for a while as did Jeff. And then Jeff decided to open a store. Uh, he said, Hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to open a store. You, you think you can give me a hand? And of, of course he's a friend. I was like, well, sure. So I started helping him out part time. Uh, the, the best thing and the thing I'm the most proud of in regards to all this babbling, uh, he asked me to help him part-time. So I'm helping him part-time. And at this time, I am the kitchen manager at Sirens, the strip bar. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stories there, too. <laughs> uh, so I'm the kitchen manager at Sirens. I'm also the general manager of a Little Caesars and assistant manager of another Little Caesars. Um, and... uh I I mean I was just I was working so many hours it's ridiculous. Right. I mean it you know, sounded like you're just all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I just I was doing everything and anything, I could at at that point. Um and Jeff was like I need a full-time employee. And uh it's like you can't afford me. And he's just like, "Well, you know, what do you need? What, you know, what?" And I was, you know, I flat out was just like, "Dude, this this it's, no." And I'm not rolling in the dough. Uh, I, I do. I am pretty thrifty, but he gives me a very good wage. I work my butt off for him, and I owe him everything in that regard uh, because I get to do something that's really kind of groovy and, and still work in comics and everything else. But the testament of the fact is is that we're a comic store, and he's able to pay me. We've been doing this for over six years. Um, we don't do gaming uh, we have a, a a small shop and we focus on books. And, you know, we get some action figures and a few things here and there, but it's just a testament of where the industry is is going. I'm not saying there aren't a lot of hiccups, which we'll talk about as well, but it it's just that fact. People are like, well, how? Well, we we focus on comics. You know, every single day, it's tedious. You know, I ain't gonna lie. There's a lot of grading and sorting and everything else, but... Uh, you know, that, that's the, the best thing is just the fact that I can say, hey, yeah, we're doing this all literally. Uh. Okay, I'm going to brag. Today, before coming to the <laughs> show, a guy dropped over triple zeros on back issues. Oh, man. One guy. That's crazy. All Silver Age stuff going through, you know, looking, hey, there's a, you know, that Hulk annual with that great humans cover. It's a high grade. You're not going to find a better copy of that in this town. Yada, yada, yada. Didn't blink. Guys looking at it. He's known Jeff for years. And uh, he knows how strict Jeff is. Jeff is probably one of the hottest graders. He should be working for CGC. Uh, you know, they they should pay him a, con- a consultation like, like a commission or something yeah, like the, that. The guys, the guys grading is meticulous. It's it, people buy stuff off of him, send it off, and CGC gives it a, a higher grade because they're they're not as uh, as strict as he is in some cases because he's just he's by the book. So, and that's, and that's the best thing. So um, new books, old books, et cetera, but we do it all by selling comics. Which I think like in, in that, in that regard of
1: being strict, I think I appreciate that a bit more um, just, just for that. Cause I can just get that his, you know, his opinion and um, kind of, re- it's more reliable, I guess I should probably say.
2: Yeah, it's. I feel very fortunate that like if somebody's taking a book out of the case and it's got you know three hundred something bucks or whatever, and it's not it's not CGC or whatever, you know the guy's looking at it and whatever grades on there, I I have no problem. I'm just like dude, you want to flip through? In most cases, they're like, oh crap, yes, this is this <laughs> or this is that, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very proud of that. It's it's pretty cool
1: because um, 'cause you've been in you've been in, you know, the industry for several, several years now. Um I'm old.
2: I turned forty seven today, by the way. Happy birthday. Happy, to happy birthday, sir. Thanks, Mom, for <laughs> going through all that horrible childbirthing and stuff.
1: <laughs> um what uh what experience and knowledge do you think is key in, in running a comic book store and any customer service tips you might
3: have?
2: Well, I think the the key like it is customer service. Um you know if you look at our uh, you go to the uh, reviews and people coming to the store and everything else is you, you got to be personable uh, you don't want to be a used car salesman and be all up in their shit and bother them and whatever say your hellos give your spiel you know interact with them a little bit um, you know comic people uh, run the gambit some people aren't aren't very social some are very socially awkward uh, some are very very chatty you, you just kind of get a feel for it in that regards and Kind of help them out in that and see, you know, you look at them, you see, okay, what kind of shirt are they wearing? If they're wearing a specific superhero shirt, oh, you like this, you like that. And engage them in conversations and stuff. And then that way you can kind of steer them towards something. I've sold a bunch of stuff that, you know, they're like, how the hell did you sell that? And it was just through a conversation where somebody (laughs) brings up something and and whatnot. Uh, And people want to feel like you give a rat's ass, you know. Uh, one thing I can honestly say that bugs the hell out of me, and I've seen it hurt a lot of people, is if your own personal opinion clouds your judgment, you're not going to sell shit. Um, I like what I like, but that's not everybody's cup of tea. Right. And, you know, that's the case. I've seen that on a lot of cases where you, people say they've gone to a shop and they've literally been ridiculed for what they're buying, and which I think is kind of ridiculous because, you know— We can't send the stuff back. We bought it. You know, (laughs) you're literally like telling person not to to spend money. Um, Keeping an eye on trends is very important. Uh, You know, you're because we deal in books. uh, We're constantly looking at what stuff is being hyped. Uh, We don't get any information as a store before the general public. Everybody hears the stuff there. People come to us and be like, hey, did you hear this? You hear that? You know, that's that is the key. Like, you need, you need to consistently follow trends, look at what's going on, and and double-check multiple different sites on the secondary market, um, not only for what you have, because next thing you know, you got people in there scouring your back issues to buy something for $3. They're going to flip for 25 on the internet, but also to see what you might want to order in abundance of. Uh, it can be a crapshoot uh we'll get into you know some of the other stuff with the hype and in, in regards to new books but i think the key element really there is, is is that it is a 24 hour a day investment in your attention in pop culture uh of what's out there and otherwise you're screwed you're you know, you're going to be that guy like oh what well, why did i sell all these books for 3 bucks that are now you know on ebay for 70 bucks it's- it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, looking. <clears throat> excuse me.
1: Looking back at my time, like at, at Comic Town, that that statement of like being one hundred percent twenty four seven into pop culture is as accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between looking at upcoming solicitations or, um, like you said, in, in media, any character that might be popping up in in a movie or a TV show, mm-hmm. and that first appearance goes up. Um, but. Um, I've lost my spot on my notes here. I'm sorry. I apologize. In my chicken scratch, um, so uh, over the past you know decade, we've we've become a digital culture.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, piracy's out there with comic books, movies, TV shows. Um, what what are you guys doing at World's Greatest to kind of put your name out there and attract new readers and new customers?
2: You know, to be honest with you, we don't do a shit ton in that regard. I mean, we've got Facebook and we've got a website and everything else. But comic books will probably be one of the last mediums to go away. Everybody talks about how, you know, physicality of things, etc., etc. But uh, the Stan Lee quote of comics are like boobs. They're great to look on the internet, but there's nothing better than feeling a real one. I mean, it's attributed to Stan, uh, whether or not he stole it from someone or not, but you know, any great comedian, most of their materials stolen. But that's, that's a fact, you know, uh, I think there'll always be that aspect. And that's the kind of shop we are, is that we're, we are a very, uh, a physical shop where people are going. We've got bargain books, we've got high end books, we've got investment grade books. Um, but you know, in regards to to the any kind of digital medium or, or being out there in in droves, uh, it's not it's not something really that we're we're super focused on.
3: Okay,
2: yeah. You know, we like I said, we get you know you've got your website and everything else, but that's it. I actually
3: had something for you. You mentioned CGC, mm-hmm. and I patron your shop, mm-hmm. and I see the CGC graded books.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What is your stance on slabbing a book?
2: Well, the the beautiful thing now is that uh, if you slab a book, you can still read it. There's a version of it out there for you to read. When I was a kid, uh, I'll backtrack a bit. When I was a kid, I got in a fist fight with David Scully uh, over "Bring On the Bad Guys." It's a it's a trade paperback that reprints the first appearances of a whole bunch of of Marvel villains, and we got it out of the uh, the bookmobile. It's a, a from the library. They drive up to your school and went to a private school and they had all these, they had Son of the Origins, the origins of Marvel Comics, bring on the bad guys, etc. And, uh, you know, I wanted it. He wanted to take it out and we started fighting and everything else. Back then, if you want to read that story, you know, those are old stories then. Now there's so many different ways to read stuff. You, You can find it. It's out there. So getting a book slabbed. It's not the heresy as that it would have been years ago. Like, you'll never read it. You can't read it, you know? Um, so I don't have a problem with it. We always bring up, we try to explain uh, CGC to people and explain comic books to to people who don't understand the prices uh, and why this is worth a lot of money. And the funny thing is, is that we use baseball cards as like the best analogy. And people understand it. Even people who don't collect ball cards know it's like, well, Think of it as your rookie card. The, the ones that are worth money are your rookie cards, your first appearances, first time an artist's on, or a writer, a big storyline, or whatever. Everything else is a common. So, you know, yeah, you collect cards, but the big ones are your rookie cards. So what do you do with a rookie card? You're going to make sure it's pristine. You're going to have it in the collector's thing and everything else. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. What I do have a problem with, though, is... As I said, my boss, Jeff, is one of the most meticulous graders that I've ever met. You've got all these different people grading these books and you'll see kind of a, a very a varied stance on what their grading principles are. You almost wonder if it's some guy there. It's it's his last twenty minutes of his shift, and he's like uh, nine two nine two. That's a nine <laughs> two. Screw that's a now uh, another sleepwalker number one. This is a seven. I don't care what it is. I'm, I'm gonna send that back and say yeah. That's when you hear stories and there's you know conspiracy stories about people flipping books and switching books that get sent and everything else. So there's there's that. So it's it's a little rough. But uh, in the long run, I mean, uh, you, because they're barcoded and they're scanned and they're all part of of a database, it is kind of neat. You can look and see what a nine eight, you know, book has sold for over X amount because the, these are all the nine eights and these are the ones that are out there and stuff. You're going to get that hardcore into collecting. That's pretty cool. So
1: speaking of like CGC or, or well, not CGC. I'm sorry, um, but you know, people coming in. And trying to sell their books, whatnot. Is there anything that's come across in the store that you're like, oh, I might that 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 catches my eye? You know, is it it, you know whether it be Amazing Fantasy fifteen or like X Men number one, like something I
2: want, or just like holy shit kind of holy shit. Okay, yeah. All right, I'll give you the holy shit story. And this again is me. uh, Um. Hey Jeff, I'm not asking for a raise, uh, and I'm not saying all these nice things because I want one. This is a true story. Again, this is making my boss sound like a fucking comic book saint, but I swear, I swear on my daughter Sarah, on this guy came in with a box, musty old box of comic books. Ninety nine percent of the comic books were coverless. Smelled like a barn. Was in a barn, probably. Um, guy said that he did. Uh, he, he got bought furniture and stuff like that. Amish furniture, and this was in something or blah 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 blah. blah. Uh, going through the books, some of the ones that had covers were were cool books. There's a, a beat up copy of Superboy First Bizarro appearance, was in there, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going through and I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. And then Jeff comes from the back and I'm like, well, there's the owner. He's the man. So Jeff starts going through the books. And I swear on my daughter, uh, all of a sudden, they are staring me in the face is an amazing fantasy 15. Uh, it, at least at least a five or better just just from being at least about five, six away because he's like, oh, and I'm like, holy crap, you know, he almost hear like the hey. choir of angels. You know, <laughs> hey Keith, um, uh-huh. for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with
0: Amazing Fantasy 15, g- kind of give us the skinny on that okay. if you would. Uh, all right.
2: Uh, well, like I talked about with, with first appearances and baseball cards and rookie cards, Amazing Fantasy 15, if you're a Marvel collector, is, is one of the monster rookie cards, super high exalted things. That is the first appearance of Spider-Man. Uh, the last issue of Amazing Fantasy 15, which was a, a comic uh, that had a whole bunch of different stories in each issue, science fiction, fantasy, etc. Uh, the last issue, issue 15, had the cover feature of Spider-Man and had his origin. Uh, people liked the story so much they gave him his own book uh, uh, even a crapped out beat up copy of that book that it looks like someone used it as a bath mat is is worth uh, way too much money and so this, this book so I'm looking at the first Spider-Man ever and this guy knows nothing about comics nothing at all openly now I ain't gonna lie Uh, punk rock guy that I am. I've been homeless. Uh, I've done enough drugs to kill a rhino back in my stupid days. I've done a lot of horrible things. That little devil on my shoulder came back for a minute and was like, dude, (laughs) have I got a plan for you? Uh, Luckily, I don't have that against my soul and, and karma and everything else because I wasn't the one holding the book. My boss, Jeff, was. My boss, Jeff, then goes and explains to this gentleman exactly what he has in detail. Offers him a very sizable amount of money for the book, uh, as well as some of the other. There are a bunch of other key books in there besides that first bizarre. I forget what else was in there. Uh, the bizarre one only sticks in my head because I'm a Superman collector. So that one I remember. Um, but Jeff, Jeff told him. And uh, he sold us a bunch of the other books but he decided to keep the af-15 because he thought it was really really super cool he wasn't like i'm gonna take this and turn around and resell it he was like no i I think i really want to keep this wow that's really neat i didn't know um so that yeah that was one of the moments where i was just like holy holy crap that's 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 what that is you know i can't i can't believe it (laughs) it's one of the holy grails like in my hand yeah my uh, my store Midgard Comics that I that I had years ago is named Midgard, which is the Norse term for Earth. Because uh, one of the books I got years ago, selling my PA system and everything else, was I had a Journey into Mystery eighty three, which is the first appearance of Thor. So I had that for years, framed hanging in, in Midgard. Uh, breaks my heart that I sold it, but I sold it for the right reasons. You know, it's uh, I tell people it's like I've I've owned every key Marvel book with the exception of Amazing Fantasy fifteen. I've owned it at least once. Um, it's been in my collection. I've had an FF one. I've had a Spidey one. You know, I've had a, a Tales of Suspense uh, thirty nine. I've I've had everything, but that damn AF fifteen. Which nah, I don't think that's ever going to happen unless I win the lottery or something crazy. Or you it's could beat up the guy to your don't, left. Yeah, don't hate me. I have a copy. <laughs> well, that's it. That's, that's awesome. I'm
1: glad to do. But but yeah uh,
2: yeah, it, it was it was a
1: gorgeous it, looking copy. Um, mine was given to me by my dad and it's it's i'm i'm always hesitant on getting it graded because i'm just always worried that something is going to damage it somehow i don't know i'm just i'm super paranoid about uh, I, stuff like that I,
2: well i'd be paranoid too because i've heard i've heard stories yeah. where people have sent books off and i hate to say it but you know they're like I sent this book off and I'm pretty darn sure the book I got back isn't my book or it got damaged in, in the, the transit yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Or, well, not even the mail. I mean, it, they're human. I don't care how meticulous you are. You're flipping through paper that's, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, depending on your book. When some guy, you know, hey, John, what? You know, and the right. next thing you know. You're, so, yeah, I yeah, if, especially if it's a family heirloom, I, I there's no way in hell I'd – I do. I'd yeah, let he, somebody touch that. He, yeah, he um he gave when me. When he again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not too far away from your store, actually.
1: Um. So, um, my next question would be, um, you know, any any business practices that Marvel or DC Image Diamond even that we can that How we long that we you have? can ra- yeah that you can <laughs> rant on, um, that you would change, you know, um. The strip cover returns that Marvel does. Everything about Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Well, for for the, the the people who listen to this cast, I, I assume they know a little bit about comic books, but the one thing a lot of people still don't realize is um comic stores, we get our comics from one lone distributor. One. Um two there's too too money, too much time. I, I couldn't go into the whole full spiel as to why this happened, but the, the be-all end-all is a whole bunch of crazy shit happened in the 90s and it, it, there used to be tons of different distributors you would get your comic books from and now there's one standing and they were very smart what they did was, even though they had no competition, they had Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and Image sign exclusive deals that they would only go through them, even though there's nobody else to go through Nobody was even waiting in the wings. They're just like, you only do business with us. So if if I won a jillion dollars and I wanted to distribute comic books, I'd have to build a company, get warehouses, and then I'd have to take them to court over a monopoly before I could even sell anything. Right. So, you know, that that's my lead into this, is that uh, there's a lot of practices with Diamond that I disagree with, but unfortunately it boils down to uh, their customer service is, oh, I hear you, but I really don't seem to care because I don't have to. Um, right. uh, damages, uh, the way the books are packed, they they say, oh, we're not, uh, these aren't collectibles. But the box, their company itself says that they are, you know, the epicenter of collecting or some such nonsense. you all have people packing these books. They're all bent up and everything else and uh so you're constantly getting your your orders in so i would have i would have to say pretty much it starts from the from the top where if you're going to have a business that is built on a collector's mentality uh the amount of care and the packing and the amount of care of how you treat your employees so that they will pack said materials better needs to be better um in regards to shipping and everything else, they just go through UPS. And if anyone's watched UPS, and this is every shipping place, this end up doesn't mean anything. It just means that's the way you should throw it. You know. And, and it's paper products. Uh, I've you know Boxes will get soaking wet, and even though they're multi-packed, you'll see sometimes stuff will soak through boxes. I could go on and on. It, it, it just boils down to that one simple fact that they don't really have to care any more than they are doing.
1: Um, I mean, when you're the only game in town. Right.
2: You know, they 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 don't have anything. Uh, you know, uh, why, why should I, you know, you can go and bitch and yell and, and cry, but after, when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter. You can't take your business elsewhere. Right. You know? Um, now, Marvel and DC, uh, if you want to just talk about industry stuff, you know, we go back to the 90s, and it, I'm seeing a lot of the stuff that, you know, almost tank the industry they're going back to. And I don't know if it's like that mentality of a lover where the sex was amazing once. And you keep going back thinking it's going to be great again, but keep forgetting how horrible a person they were. It's like, I came 27 times, but you know what? She like torched my car and like <laughs> ran up all my credit cards. and cetera, All my clothes are in the front yard. Yeah, like You know, I it, it's, it's horrible. Um, you know, the, the variant covers uh, where you have to order X amount to get a specific variant. You know, that's that's neat for what it's worth. But, I mean, I just look at it and a lot of times it's almost lackluster. And uh, the themes that they utilize in some cases too are, are rather asinine where you're just kind of staring at it and you're going, why did you... Who, who thought that was a good idea? Like some of it, it's... You know, I believe in different artistic styles, don't get me wrong, but there's some stuff where, I, style or not, it's crap. You know, I'm like, this is... Uh, somebody had to order 25 copies to get this cover, and this is the cover that you think to get, is viable. To get just one of these, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, Marvel right now and DC both are doing what are called lenticular covers. Uh, and uh, to, to make that kind of a, the layman's term, it's almost like a motion cover... Uh, where you kind of move it one way and you'll see an image, you move it another way and it's another image. DC has been doing really well with it because what they've done is they've taken an existing image and the secondary image is what it morphs into. So it's primarily the same thing with the same logo. So it's a motion cover. Um, Marvel, on the other hand, it's two separate images, And they're using a homage to an old cover from back in the day over uh, a new existing cover. And the problem with that is it's two different logos. So even though it's the Falcon number one, (laughs) if you look at it a different way and it's sitting on the shelf, it's Iron Man something or other. Um, The Iceman, latest issue of Iceman, was a champion's cover even though there is a Champions comic, why they didn't just Champions of Champions, even though Iceman was in the Champions, I guess. So I, I sort of understand what they're shooting for, but you would think looking at it and you're saying on a marketing standpoint, this is too damn confusing. Because when somebody's looking at the shelf, all, okay, I see Iron Man there. Well, that's not Iron Man, it's the Falcon. Right. You know? Um, and if they're stuck in mid phase where you don't get the full image it's just a garbled mess yeah i
1: I've, I've heard that online where it's staying in that middle yeah like form that you're talking about yep. and people are just like what what Wh- is this what is it
2: and the other thing is, is the uh, the ordering plateau for that is you had to order x amount of the regular cover before you could even order the lenticular cover so first you had to overorder on the regular covers then you were able to order the other ones now that being the case collectors come in and they're like okay i want the lenticular i'm going to buy these lenticulars but i don't give a rats behind about the regular covers so you spent x amount of money on these other ones best example of that is tomorrow's incredible hulk for us i should say uh, originally a uh, totally awesome hulk our subscriptions for that were relatively low um But what they did is they said, to order this, your order needs to be X amount percent of this book from this past ordering period. Well, there was a crossover they did uh, with the X books primarily uh, where they introduced a Hulk-Wolverine hybrid and uh, it was called Weapons of Mutant Destruction. So we we ordered very heavy on that issue of Totally Awesome Hulk, even though we didn't have a lot of subscribers for it. And it sold well, not because Totally Awesome Hulk sells, but it sold well because it tied into a couple other books that. So your your orders on it were based on Old Man Logan slash Wolverine and Weapon X, uh, which is all the you know Wolverine esque mutant characters. So that order number for us was ridiculous. It was way more than we usually order. Uh, so to just to get the lenticulars, we had to order a stupid amount of books. Well, my, my boss is like, this is their big, Marvel's big initiative to to get back to basics. And we're going to bring back some of the classic characters. And we're going to, this is, they, they made a big point of it. And he's, he's like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, we're sitting on a ton of product. Now, again, we're, we're our store. That's us. Does that reflect on other stores? Well, I'll, I'll give you the skinny there. There's a thing called final order cutoff that you know from, from your days. <laughs> yeah. Well, after the first week of these lenticulars, when final order cutoff hit for all the other books that we overordered so that we could get the lenticulars, they had an astronomical amount of stores hacking their numbers to bits. I'm sure. I mean yeah. just like no, no, I don't want that. No, yep. no, no. So, you know, we're we're committed to what we've ordered, but they've slashed and slashed and slashed. So, you know, it it's it's tiresome that instead of I want to promote a good storyline and I want to promote, you know, this this event and in so doing, it's all based on some sort of hyped secondary uh marketing nonsense. Uh and and it's that's what happened to the nineties. They're overprinting stuff and people were, you know, making extra copies of of BS things with, you know, crazy holographic covers and shiny covers and this and that and everything else. Instead of give me a good story. Just, you know, make the story good. Uh and, you know, again, not to sit there and spout and say, okay, you know, DC versus Marvel, but DC's rebirth, you know, people were very skeptical. I was. I'm a huge Superman fan. I stopped reading Superman during New 52. I stopped reading Cold. I've been reading Superman since Christopher Eve era Superman. Um and it made me read Superman again and I cared about the characters and I cared about this crazy storyline with, with Dr. Manhattan and all this subplot that was going on. And now with Batman, there's, you know, they've got the Dark Knight's Metal storyline, which again, uh, they have crazy covers and everything else, but the storyline's damn good. Even if they didn't have the cockamamie covers, we'd price, I'm not say probably, we'd still be selling the books well. Um so I I just wish that would be more of the thing that people were talking about was was the story and not necessarily the wrappings of you know this is oh the the cover is this and we're gonna go with this and, and whatever and, uh, and and maybe also the talent uh, I remember back in the day as as you probably back back in the day working at Comic Town where it. Every given Wednesday, there was there was all this talent you're talking about. I can't believe this guy's on this book, or this guy's writing this book, or this person's drawing this book. Now it, it's it's not about that. It's all about some sort of event, and not necessarily about the talent,
1: right? You know? Like I mean, even as cl- even as short as you know, let's say six seven years ago, Marvel had you know Bendis, but along with Fraction, mm-hmm. Hickman, uh, Jason Aaron, you know they've gone on and you know done their own thing. Um, and, and you're right with, I think Marvel's been
2: concerned about setting up the next story mm-hmm. and not letting it be. Everything's about the next event. Right. Everything's an event. Here's the next event. This is, you know, this happened and this is going to set up, we're going to set this up so that we now have this other eight or 10 issues series of this and this and this and this and this and this. And this, and this. Whereas, you know, instead of caring about the characters, You're just constantly like, this is this is going to change the status quo of the Marvel universe again, and you're like,
1: well, you know, even though, yeah, yeah, you know, because between, I I see, I can't even remember what was before Secret Empire. What was before Secret Empire? Civil War, Civil War Two, Civil War Two was what? Yeah, it was what five months in between. You know, it's just that's that's my marvel gripe and i apologize for going off on that tangent <laughs> um but um you know speaking of publishers aftershock yes is a newer one that's come that's been coming out the past couple
2: years aftershock uh i i have to say is uh their product line is amazing um just in essence of the stories that that's the thing is that there's so many different genres being brought. There's fantasy, there's horror, there's noir, uh, there's crime drama. I mean, you name it. But I think the, the best thing was how they approached, uh, the industry and how they continue to do so. Um, Joe Pruitt and who, who, uh, writes black eyed kids, uh, Paul Jenkins, who wrote Origin for Marvel, and he wrote Spider Man for years and years, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they went on a tour and went and signed in all the bunch of shops and everything else, and and they were asking questions like, okay, how does this, how is this selling? Why is this selling? Why isn't this selling? Not just their own company, but in, in regards to the industry. Um, their rep, Lisa Wu, she she kind of did the first strike and went around, and she was, you know, she came and she was very interested in what we thought of their product and what we could do to help sell it and you know she knew about the books and talked about the books and talked about the industry uh you know that that's not something you see you don't see it, it's you know they, they put out their books and there you go the, it, it was almost uh like 60s marvel bullpen-esque where you know here they were and, and you look and they're they're you know posting stuff on the internet and going and they're on a tour still they go to all these different comic shops and do signings and talk about stuff and it's it's just kind of uh refreshing to see that kind of uh, love for the industry you can tell they love doing it they're they're like you know watching a band go on tour and you can see some bands that that are just like you know i've done this a million times and i don't really give her access and then some bands are like well they're having the time of their life and they're talking to the fans and they go to their merch table and they sign all their cds and their records and they're hanging out and they're you know they're not jumping on the bus and driving off and, and uh it it's probably in my opinion the first time I've seen anything like that since uh you know the 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 days of like the chaos comics guys right who, and who I would mean do that kind of stuff
1: and know? we're talking
2: 20 years yeah. ish like. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah where it, it's it's amazing uh alters uh one of the books that that aftershock does great little kind of uh backstory to that is that was actually a pitch that Paul Jenkins gave to Marvel. Really, Marvel didn't uh, didn't want to have anything to do with it because they didn't want new characters being created. Basically, is what it boiled down to. They're like now nah, because it was all new create you know, new characters. But if you read the book, you can see where it it was. They're altered humans. There's your mutants. You have right. you have a very powerful evil mutant, if you will, an alter who basically is like you know if you if you're all you exhibit altered superhuman abilities you come you know work for me be subservient to me or i'm gonna kill you so you've got your magneto s guy you've got your your x-men slash xavier type crew but uh and and again this is uh jenkins writes from his own experiences and things that have uh kind of grabbed him in in his interest like uh a lot of the different characters in, in the book, Alters, are people from different walks of life who have different challenges who now all of a sudden have a mutant ability. And so you have a central character, you have a central plot, but then he gets to play around with some social commentary. Here's a homeless person who gets superhuman powers. Do they utilize them basically just to say, screw you, I'm going to steal food, I'm going to do this. Am I? You know, what What makes a hero? Do powers make a hero? Right. Do
1: you, and, do you use these to... For your own selfish benefits, or, you know, help the homeless, help right. people who've been in your situation before, or who are in your situation.
2: The, the main character uh, has a handicapped brother. Uh, uh, the parental units are as dysfunctional as all get out. Uh, the main character itself is actually a transgender. Um, so in the superhuman identity, it is the person's real identity. Uh, uh, it's male, but Feels they're they are a woman, so it's kind of wild where they actually have three identities because it's a young person literally trying to come to terms with the fact they're a transgender and then a coming out experience where okay now they have superpowers, but as a superpowered person, they feel the most comfortable in in the identity they feel they truly are. So in a weird way, as a superhuman ab- uh, person, the main character is is not hiding at all, right? You know, and and this is stuff again you know that like he he pitched back and, they, and they're like I don't want to do this I don't do that uh, and he, he gave a lot of reasons he was very diplomatic when he talked about his his dealings with Marvel but that was the key of well okay you, they didn't want any new characters created so this was an idea that he sat on and uh, you know he, he was like well I really want to do this um, Dark Arc is another series they're doing uh, which is amazing Uh I I was uh, I went to Catholic school. Uh, I don't practice or anything anymore, but I did have to study the Bible and all that nonsense. Same,
1: same right here. <laughs> um,
2: you know, I was an alcoholic in fourth grade because they didn't lock up the wine. They thought I had a <laughs> learning disability. It took them two years to realize I was just a drunk. Um, <laughs> but uh, whole premise is basically Noah built the ark. Well, all of the fantasy creatures, good and bad, were instructed uh, by... Uh, you know, uh, supernatural beings of, of higher power told the sorcerer, "Look, you need to do the same thing." So there's this dark arc filled with you know manticores and dragons and unicorns and demons and everything else. Uh, it, it's it's pretty wild. It's it's definitely pretty pretty wild.
1: That does sound real good because I looked at their I looked at their lineup because I I'm behind on comics unfortunately right now and um, that did look interesting I read I down I bought and downloaded the first issue of uh, of Jimmy's Bastards, Jimmy's Bastards because I'm is a good. huge I'm a huge <laughs> James Bond fan and I read that premise where you know he's got children and they're yeah. all coming to get him I'm just like yeah all right that's that's real good
2: yeah, yeah that's uh, Jimmy's Bastards is great uh, Black Eyed Kids uh, if you like horror that's that is just an amazing horror book too um, I mean, I, I could go on and on. You, you look up the site, they've got a little something for everybody. And the best thing is there's just a neat twist on on every genre where you're reading it and you're just like, wow, this is, you know, and, and I think it comes from the fact that, again, you know, the company is just saying, hey, talent, you know, do what you want, you know, get, get it out there. Let's let, let's kind of stir the pot a little bit. Because you know things are a bit stale in some cases, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of good indie stuff, and I think also too just the fact that they, we sold aftershock, we sold the comics, we did all right by them, but now it's kind of you know, here I am talking about it. We're selling more because you know I'm excited. They were so excited, they got me excited. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a friend coming to you talking about a band that they loved. And you're like, yeah, I heard a single. It was all right. And they're like, no, and they, you know, you, no, kinda, like, you listen to the whole album. Yeah. Like, and give then, a, you know, you they're know. so excited. And you're like, you kind of get into it more. And so there you go. So.
1: And um, you are also self-publishing your own indie book.
2: Yep. Uh, um, Rock and Roll Splendor. Yeah. I have a I have a zine called Keith Creighton's Rock and Roll Splendor. Uh, it is as... Uh, Underground in India as it goes. Uh, I self-publish. I print them myself at Kinkos late at night, drinking a gallon of energy drinks and chain smoking, <laughs> and pissing off the dude late night. Um, you know, I just printed myself black and white, staple them. Uh, the nicest compliment I ever got was that uh, it was akin to uh, Harvey Picar of American Splendor, hence the title. Uh, if he was in a punk band when he was a kid, when he was a kid. Uh, some of the stories are autobiographical. Uh, and then some of them, uh, unlike Harvey's books, are fictitious, uh, where I fight space aliens and monsters and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I work with a lot of incredibly talented people. I'm primarily a cartoonist. Uh, I've done uh, some of the stuff myself, but I'm more kind of like uh, Calvin and Hobbes on crack. <laughs> um, so, you know, if I do anything, it's more the the humor aspect uh but, you know, like Daryl Banks who uh who did Green Lantern for years. Uh my my friend Sean Dernan who's a local tattoo artist and graphic artist. Uh, you know, he's he's doing stuff. Michael Nino is is uh, customer at my shop and long long term uh local comic artist. He uh he does his own stuff. He's been doing his own stuff for, for years and years and years. Uh he's been working on things with me. So it's it's kinda neat. I just work with a whole bunch of people and Uh, I kind of come up with some crazy stories, do some layouts and work with people on various finishes and, uh, you know, print them up. And then I sell them at uh, open mics. I play guitar and sing and do a solo act. And then I'm in a band. So I sell them at, you know, bars and stuff. I don't sell them in the shop. If somebody asks me, I I have them sometimes on me. But I was telling uh, folks here uh, earlier before the recording, I don't like selling them in the store because it's kind of like a pity sale. And I don't want people to think like if they don't buy my comic that, you know, I'm going to screw up their pull and they're not going to get their, you know, Uncanny Avengers or something. So.
1: And then Andy will sell his soul for anything. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hear him, but he's nodding his head. Yes. I will nod. There, there you go. I'm going
2: to put all
3: of our podcasts on CD and I'm going to go stand on a street corner. Right. And- you nerd. Good luck, <laughs> sell being, poor. Good <laughs> good luck <laughs> being poor. Good luck being So nothing will change. Yeah, Right.
1: Right. Um, well that those are all the questions that I've got for you. Is there anything else you wanted to, to
2: Well I wanna ask in? what what made you guys decide you wanted to do a podcast? Doug. Uh, so now I'm gonna flip this around. So the four <laughs> like, of us. Okay, it's like I mean you're all <laughs> so, friends are hanging out, like some somebody had to be like, you know what, we should just like start like going no, in so, like, a reason no, to keep hanging out. Much,
1: that's pretty much literally what it was of just us kinda, you know, bullshitting on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember if it was Andy or Phil. I know it wasn't me.
3: I was sitting at home. Yeah. And I actually got into it because I sit at a desk mm. eight, nine hours a day and I stare at computer monitors. And luckily I'm not on the phones mm. so I could listen to music. So I started getting into listening to podcasts. Uh, what really got me into it is I love Game of Thrones. Okay. So I was like, I want more. Mm-hmm. So I <laughs> looked up Game of Thrones podcast. And then while I'm Going through and looking at podcasts, I was like, holy shit, there is a podcast for everything. Mm -hmm. So I started listening to Kevin Smith. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I like his take on comics, pop Mm -hmm. culture, and stuff like that. So I started listening. He has a podcast called Fat Man on Batman. Mm -hmm. And his started exactly like this. It was interviews. He was interviewing Paul Dini. He was interviewing Mark Hamill. He was interviewing Neil Adams. So these were all people that I was like, I want to hear what they have to say. So I'm like, podcasts are really cool. And the cool part is all these schmucks sitting around doing it. We do the exact same thing every Friday night. Me, Sweeney, Phil and Tim would hang out. And I was like, we sit here and talk about all kinds of the same shit that everyone else is. Why can't we sit down and do this?
2: Well, there's a, a convention coming to town. Um, There's flyers at the shop. I believe, however, it's Thanksgiving weekend. So here's the deal. When you stop in tomorrow, you get your poll, whatever. Take a look at the flies. Uh, Tables there are cheap as hell. And I'm going to... I won't be there for the whole con, but I was thinking about actually uh, paying for a table and then my buddy Mike is going to be there. If you guys want, I'll pay for half the table. If you guys... And it'll be there. If you guys actually want to run your podcast from the the con, it's at... It's here in town. It's like the convention center. Not the big convention center. I figured... Uh, I'll I'll show you the flyer for What's the name of the con? Do you know? Ah, uh, God! Oh, here I am recording. I, <laughs> I, it. The guy who is doing it uh, is Mass Media Comics. Jeff knows him, and uh, he just really wanted to do uh, like a comic convention, like Mid Ohio Con before it got bought out. It's like there's, it's, you know. You're not going to have media gas or anything else. It's, it's just, just a straight, comi- it's just a, straight comics. It's just a comic book, yeah, a
3: Buckeye comic Yeah, yeah.
2: But but on a but larger then, scale, yeah, okay. yeah. So I mean, if you guys want, the table would be there. So if you know, if, find out if electric, you know, electricity is available. Yada yada yada. What's you guys that, could set yeah. up, and you guys could literally do it from there if you want, because the yeah, table would be we already were, set. We were
3: looking into that for uh, horror horrorhound,
2: which is in November,
3: and we actually got the response back to buy a table. Hmm. We just. We weren't quite ready yet. Mm. And on top of that, I know somebody who's a vendor there. Mm. And the Columbus show is significantly smaller than their cool, their Cincinnati and Indianapolis mm. shows. So their vendor space is really limited. And I didn't want to be those guys that were sitting there not set. Like, this is not our living. And some vendors, mm. that is their living. Oh yeah, And I, I didn't trust, want to be that me, I know. asshole like, right. hey, we took your spot. <laughs> and we're sitting here talking about bullshit. Right. Like eventually, I'd like to get there.
1: Here's but. that here's that DX crotch shop.
0: Again. Yeah, Suck we're just still, we're just kind of still building things right now. I mean, we're at the we're definitely looking to hit the con scenes, but you know, like like Andy was saying, this is, this isn't our this isn't our main source of bread and butter. We got to put food on the table, and I mean, you know how that is. It's just oh
2: yeah, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, we gotta we gotta pay the bills, and when the bills get paid, and maybe in maybe six months, seven months, we'll probably be at a spot where we can be like, yo, boss, I'm taking off because I gotta be famous. But, <laughs> but for now no nah, i think I, I like where we are this is something fun it's it's like andy was saying like this is something that all of us are just really passionate about i mean we figured we were spending every friday night just getting just straight shit-faced in front of each other talking about movies and comic books i got a film degree yeah, everybody's yeah. got
2: beers around me but me which is really strange for me well it's he's a, got an energy no, drink I've got, and I've got an energy drink i've got right. mountain dew all right there so, I, mean, I don't feel a, too bad a, a,
0: Andy and I have been talking about doing something like we were talking about like you know website for a while like talking yeah. about like a like a movie review blog shit like that but I mean this just made sense because you know none of us are pretty so let's just do a radio show
2: <laughs> So the voice for podcast you yeah, you right.
3: mentioned uh Superman mm-hmm. is is that your your favorite like uh well known like the the icons so, so yeah. you got your Superman your Batman your I, Spider-Man your is is that your number one?
2: Yeah, uh All right, this is this is where I gush. Okay, every everybody has certain things. Uh, I've been I I've, I've been a horrible kid my entire life. My dad is career military. He's he's very my dad's fucking amazing. And you know, I've had multicolored hair and played in crazy punk bands and he he always supported me. When I I know darn well my you know, my dad's my dad and he's like, "Well, at least I got the other son, you know." <laughs> Uh, but uh, one of my fondest memories is, is literally, you know, watching the old nineteen fifties Supermans with my dad and seeing the Christopher Reeve Superman, etc., cetera, et cetera. And uh my father was the one, we were just talking about superheroes and I love comics when I was a kid and I just loved Superman, Superman, Superman. I got I had the uh the Migo uh 1970s Superman action figures and everything else. <gasps> but uh <laughs> That was I a still, weird
1: noise.
2: I still have it on my uh, art table and whatnot. But, you know, I, I always have fights with people about, you know, Superman and Batman. Batman's better than Superman and blah, 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 blah. And we get in these fights. Blasphemers. And, 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 I, and I I always bring up one fact. I said, the opinion of a character is one thing. But the reason why I always stand by Superman as the greatest hero is that he has no reason to be a hero. Is that, you know, Batman is flawed because he's doing it for his own selfish reason. He he was hurt and he's on this mission that'll never get it'll he'll never be done because he's always having to somehow make up for the fact that he couldn't save his parents, etc. Superman comes here, he's he's got all these powers, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. He doesn't need to work, he doesn't need to do jack shit. He's gorgeous as a guy goes. I mean, straight as hell, but let's face it, he's Superman, you know. He could do anything he wanted to do. He doesn't need to help people. And he does. I mean, he could just fly around and and bang hot island broads and, you know, go to casinos and and blow tons of money and squeeze coal into diamonds and have more money and whatever. He he doesn't have to do it. And why does he do it? And it's that nature versus nurture kind of, uh, you know, that debate. He was brought up that way, is that he was told that if you have gifts, if you have something special about you, you should do something to... To help the world be a better place and try and, you know, it it doesn't necessarily mean you you have to be the the most perfect individual in the world, but do something to make it better. Well, when you have that amount of powers, I mean you can do how much how much can't he do for Christ's sake? Whereas Batman, that's the thing. It's always he's he's trying to make up for the fact of his lost parents and that he couldn't protect them and, and everything else. He has a reason. Superman has no reason at all. I mean, he has no reason. Uh, so, you know, I've always loved that aspect of it. And I, I've watched, you know, my father who is, you know, been just amazing. My parents are just amazing people and everything they sacrificed for my brother and my sister. And I, I just, watch that and and see like, wow, I, I wish more people had that mentality of why a hero is a hero and why you do what you got to do. Um, you know, Tim, you talk about you have an amazing fantasy 15. Well, I don't have an amazing fantasy 15. But as Superman goes, I do have three things that I'll probably get buried with. One, I have a head sketch of Superman uh, and it is autographed by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Oh. <laughs> I, I also have uh, Christopher Reeves, uh, one of his books that is signed uh, by his wife for him. Literally, she signed it for Chris. So when he went on a book tour, she was with him. She's no longer with us. She died of cancer, unfortunately. So I have that. Uh, but in regards to Christopher Reeve, I have every autograph from Superman, and it's all on one framed piece with photos. So I have a Gene Hackman. I have a Jackie Cooper. Oh, that's I have a Marlon Brando. I have a Christopher Reeve. I have a Margot Kidder. Um, uh, Ned Beatty. I have them all. Uh, <sighs> the Marlon Brando oh, yeah. is actually a letter to his nephew. It's folded so the autograph is vis- visible the way it's all matted and professionally framed. But if you look real close, you can see where it says, to nephew, I bought it at an auction because Marlon Brando never signed autographs. Right. That was like his gig. It's so the only way you get a Brando autograph is to get like a canceled check or something first. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. You know? So that's, you know, that's my, uh, you know, that's that's the one thing that I, that I had uh, for years and years and years. Um, in regards to Superman stuff. So yeah, it's I've never you know I'll I'll never have any of the key super old books per se, but I have that, which is you know my big deal. So you know, in regards to gushing about Superman,
0: that's that's pretty much it. Keith, I just want to thank you from one like hardcore Superman fan to another. I've finally been able to win a Superman versus Batman argument
3: without opening my mouth. And I, I am a Batman fan. Like yeah. I, I like Batman. Mm-hmm. However, like Phil and I will tease each other uh-huh. about oh, who's better, Superman or Batman? Superman or Batman. To me, they are the world's finest. Oh yeah, I mean like, the team is. With what Superman it is, yeah. and Batman, like to me to me they are. Like they are DC's flagship and they are for a reason. The, they are the night and the dark. They are they're so opposite of wait, each other. Wait, 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 wait. They're night, they're, they're so the night and the to, dark. They're the or night the day and the, the dark. The night. Yeah, they're, they're, yes, they're, the day and the yeah. night.
0: the well, we'll,
2: we'll, He's not the drinking one. No. Well, that's the best spot right we'll, there. We'll, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. 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 Well, all right. To make it feel even yeah. worse, though, I have a head sketch of the Joker and the Penguin by Bob Kane, and it's also signed by Cesar Romero and Burgess <laughs> Meredith.
3: Holy shit. Where do you live?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to uh, see four dudes show with yeah. yeah. ski masks. I thought I was all
2: excited
3: when I got that Batman 227. Like, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that uh,
3: Neil Adams is my my favorite Batman artist, just because of the nostalgia's sake. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember from late seventies, early eighties. Oh, yeah, just
2: I, I love the I love when me and my I have my my good friend Richard uh, Richard Bridgewater. Him and I grew up together. He's two days older than me, literally two days. And his mom and dad left the hospital room. Met my mom and dad, and I swear to God, two years later, never see each other again. Two years later, they wound up buying houses next door to each other. I swear <laughs> it, 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 Seriously, this is, I swear to God. Um, when him and I were kids, we would be on the teeter totter, and we would play Batman and Robin. And that was like the Batmobile. We'd be like, quick to the Batmobile, and we'd go and we'd slide down the, the side thing and run over and jump and you know swing back and forth. And uh, you know, we would watch the you know the sixties Batman on uh channel twenty five out of Boston, and you know those so yeah i i i love all i I love Batman too, don't get me wrong um in fact when hes he signs uh birthday cards to me like today was my birthday, I got a birthday card from him, and he signs everything to cal and whenever I sign anything, I always sign it to Bruce to him it's just one of those things we've always done, so I don't knock batman i i I love Batman too, just you know Superman's more my deal so
0: I just, I'm right there with you. And I love the Batman too. I give the Batman a hard time only because I love the Batman so much. I know enough about him to fuck with him. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, for me, it's always been like Superman represents this like unattainable, like ideal of of altruism. That's just not really humanly possible, but something to strive for. It's something that we as all, as people should all want to better ourselves. And I, I like, like you said, he's got no reason to do it and i love that i've never actually used that argument but i'm stealing that thank you <laughs> no. uh, like, it's a testament to Paul
2: kent yeah <laughs> right. well, exactly that you know that line literally in the in the christopher reeve film when he's like look you know you you're here for a reason and it's not the score touchdowns you know and, and that that's that's the most telling statement right there of like look you know you you got to ask yourself I mean, you know what am, why am i doing this and and what kind of an impact am i going to make uh we were discussing the the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, however, and I will stand by the fact that I think they're great movies, but they're not Batman movies. I'm going to say that on record, so people can fight me on it. But I just, I they're not Batman. They're dark Avenger movies, but I never felt like I was watching Batman. And there's, I'll give you two two big reasons. One, he was never a detective. Everybody did everything for him. Bruce Wayne yeah. was supposed to be like the, the Dark Knight detective. Everybody was like, hey, by the way, you should know this or blah, blah, blah. And the other thing that really bothered me is that he was handed everything by Lucius Fox. It was like, here's this great contraption. Here's this great contraption. Here's, you know, I, I think it should have been more a give and take that Bruce was more involved in these things because he's supposed to be, you know, literally super intelligent, and I just never got that. It was just you know, just a whole lot of I'm gonna wait till something happens, and then I'm gonna beat it up. And that was you know, that was you know. Uh, so it was great Dark Avenger movies, and it's phenomenally shot, and and everything. I think the Joker, uh, that rendition of the Joker, uh, is for that style of movie is amazing. Uh, but I just never felt uh, where I was sitting there when I saw uh, Batman. When I was a kid, and I saw Michael Keaton, I felt like, I, "Wow, this is cool! I'm watching a Batman movie." I, I, it was, you know, I understood there this is this new rendition in Tim Burton's version, but I felt like, "Wow, I, I don't know," I just never felt like I was watching a Batman movie, and so.
0: I kind of agree with you. I don't think Batman's detective nature has ever really been represented on film properly until Batflack. Because mm. I really feel like in Dawn of Justice, that that Batman is is you know he's performing reconnaissance. He's yeah. he's doing detective work and like discovering shit, which is a really refreshing take on the Batman to finally see that.
3: And I I love the Dark Knight. Like you were saying, like that Joker to me. Like I I grew up with the the Keaton Batman, mm. so I was like, how are you ever going to top? To me, they're not even comparable. Oh, they're yeah. two unique jokers. I loved the Dark Knight Joker. He I was kind of
2: as good as Caesar America. I was though. in
3: the same boat. <laughs> I'm like, you know, he doesn't do a lot of his own detective work. Yeah. So I, I liked when they kind of showed it the one and only time in the Dark Knight when he pulls the bullet fragment out of the wall and reverse engineers it to find the the fingerprint on it. So I was like, okay, they're showing that he has that skill. I wish they'd shown more of it. Right. But I still enjoy it.
2: No, I, I, I don't not enjoy them. You know, like I said, but it was, that was the thing. I just because I'm like, ah, eh, there's something missing. I mean, uh, Alfred again. I, I didn't. I think Kane's a great actor, but uh, Alfred was never supposed to be like a Cockney. I thought uh, more like a Roger Moore type person should have been. Uh, I liked how they interacted. I, I liked their relationship but the delivery was off and that that kind of was one of the things I was like eh you know so it, it kind of got me there oh
1: I love him oh. I know. like so, I, I like Michael Caine as as Alfred but that being said I think Jeremy
0: Irons is pretty great too yeah. I, I like Michael Caine but only when surrounded by Muppets or Jaws or Jaws, you see Jaws, <laughs> or Jaws day. yep Oh man, God, that movie's so bad. Oh my God, (laughs) revenge in Jamaica. It's a terrible Jaws movie. Oh God. Uh, So, Keith, getting to know you a little bit, man. Mm. Um, I, 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 you're yeah, like you know, punk rock. You like music. Um, you reminded me of a of a a book I read of a short six six sixer miniseries from two thousand twelve. Um. I just want to know if you've read it or not and I'd love to hear your opinion it's called Punk Rock Jesus
2: yeah actually it was mandatory reading when it came out mm -hmm. yeah Uh, it's a a part comics book by Sean Murphy it is amazing Uh, they literally uh, they say that they have uh, that they have Jesus' DNA and they artificially impregnate a virgin and they put it on TV and it is a uh, a TV series uh to be watched and through the whole experience. His uh benefactor and protector is a former terrorist, uh Irish uh either terrorist or revolutionary, depending on how you look at him. But uh yeah, it's that the book's amazing. It's totally amazing.
1: Yeah, I it's one that I want to reread because it's it's been out of print. I think they recently mm-hmm. brought it back. Well within- yeah, there's a
2: couple of books that it's funny that people ask me like what do you think you should read? And and I'll bring it up and then like it's out of print. Like uh, there's a book back in the day uh, called Teenagers from Mars, and it's about these uh, just this punk rock teenage kid and a whole crazy series of events that happen, uh, and it, it it's like a Tarantino movie with teenage kids. That's the only way I can explain it. Uh, in the end, they literally, you know, uh, it's an escalation of events. And uh, the main character and his punk rock girlfriend are chased by the cops and they're wanted uh, by all the law enforcement in their area. And it it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, Six issues of just insane comic reading and it hasn't been in print forever. The other thing is uh, Weapon Brown. Not sure if any of you have heard of Weapon Brown. Weapon Brown, uh, there used to be a book called Deep Fried, Uh, it was an anthology. And uh, some of the stuff was really questionable in regards to his humor. But uh thing in there was uh, he took inspiration from Charlie Brown and Peanuts. And it was uh, if take Charlie Brown and merge him with kind of a, uh, a cybernetic mercenary. Snoopy is a pit bull. Uh, it's an apocalyptic wasteland. Uh, Linus is the. A uh, cult leader of the Church of the Great Pumpkin, which is this pumpkin-headed Cthulhu thing, uh, you know, uh, Peppermint Patty and and Marcy are in it, and they're obviously lesbians. Um, but you know, there's uh, there's a, a caterpillar monster, much like the the Dune worms, that has Garfield's face on it. There's there's all these classic like comic strip characters are used. Well, he he did all these great series and then it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then he did it online I think and whatnot. well he compiled it and the book's about the size of a phone book it's huge and when we headed at world's greatest uh, we sold like 25 copies of this it's black and white it's the size of a phone book it's just totally eclectic and weird 25 copies of of a trade like that is really wild and uh, and it's out of print but if you see people try selling it for ridiculous amounts of money and I keep uh, contacting the guy like, you need to put this back in print because it's... You know, look it up. It's called Weapon Brown. It's amazingly, ridiculously awesome. So I think aside from uh, like the milk and cheese era stuff, I don't think I've seen anything more ridiculous. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Cause I, yeah I, you talking about that made me instantly just... Go like
1: yeah okay. I need to track this down.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's I highly recommend it. okay
1: is there is there anything else you would? What's in your What's in your like must read? Anything else?
2: Well, like I said, and uh, the aftershock stuff. That's totally the 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 big must reads for me. Is a, a lot of the stuff that they're doing now. Uh, I read a lot of oddball stuff. To be honest with you, uh, I like a lot of pulp stuff. Uh, like they're doing like the Batman Shadow crossovers, which are a lot of fun. I love the Shadow. I love the Green Hornet. Uh, I'm a big Spirit fan. Uh, you know, a lot of that that kind of stuff. I I, I just really dig from you know, that pulpy kind of aspect of characters and whatnot. Um, I think I saw you also. Uh, you guys mentioned uh, Swamp Thing. That's going to be yeah, coming the, the, in January. I'm a huge Swamp Thing fan. Always have been, and. uh Uh, you know, Len Wein, who passed away, the co-creator, it's the last story that he's involved in. It was that he was working on. So the, uh, the, the, I guess the holiday special, if you will, that'll, that'll be out. So they, uh, they'll definitely be something I'm, I'm kind of forcing on people like, hey, read this, read this. Um, trying to think if there's anything that really jumps out that, uh, that is, is just kind of blown, blown me away. The exception of like i said there's a, a handful of things here and there but i just go back a lot i find myself backtracking when it comes to a lot of you know i'm glad i got my superman back i guess that's it you know if i have to say it is you know with with rebirth they gave me my superman i really like the the aspect of him being with lois again i love super sons that's a lot of fun i think the nicest. uh Thing, uh, I've heard someone say, and I've swiped it all the time in regards to it's kind of like Stand By Me with capes. I think that was the, well, a great analogy in regards to to how that that works. Uh, but you know, I, I think when uh, when it comes right down to it, really, it I'm just happy the industry is still doing well. I can bitch about so many different things, but on the flip side, uh, comic sales are up not just because of the variant covers uh and interest is up and even though we have clunkers like the inhumans (laughs) we won't go there we don't think we have enough time for that um but there's there's something out there for everybody and, and i think that's that's really the key right there so
1: all right well um i'm gonna show i'm gonna show world's greatest real quick World's Greatest Comics, it's uh, 5992 Westerville Road here Westerville, Ohio, the corner of Dempsey Road and Westerville. Uh, They're open from Monday through Saturday, 12 to 7, and closed on Sundays. Yes,
2: we're closed on Sundays primarily just so that we have one day or a lot of those one-day shows are Sunday shows. And, right. I, and I can't brag about this. Then the, the best thing about our place is that it smells like fresh baked bread because we're right next to Subway. So, uh, you know, most times you go in and comic stores kind of smell like, you know, butt. You know, but, um, like comic but, you conventions know, yeah, right. so you know, it, it's it's kind of wild. You know, it's like wow, this place is actually orderly and it doesn't smell like ass, that's nice. So,
1: right, um, well, I know real quick before we go, I know you said you have, um, you sometimes
2: perform Ace of Cups and stuff. Any, any of your shows coming up? Uh, the next time I will be playing will be at the Tree Bar on December the 15th, and uh. Uh, That's Keith Creighton. That's uh, me solo. And so I'll be doing some acoustic stuff. And then some friends of mine who I jam with, we might wind up uh, doing some full band stuff here and there. Joey 74, the the band I'm in, we're not performing that night. Ironically enough, it's it's Joey's uh, drummer, Freddie. It's his birthday bash. So we always have a crazy effed up show on his birthday. So uh, he might back me up on that. There's a, a... great bunch of local bands that'll be uh, hitting us up there. And actually, I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's at the Dark Horse Tavern. We moved it. That's right. So it's not, a, it's not going to be at the Tree Bar. It's a Dark Horse Tavern. So. All right. Uh, we've had it at the Tree Tree Bar like past couple of years and i kind of spaced it. So yeah, there, you know, if you don't hit me up and I don't uh, have books on me, well, I'll, have the com- I'll have comics on me. Uh I have a solo record that I have I've got out. I'm working on my second solo record, so that stuff will be out there too. Um but none of it's about comic books. Uh I can tell you that. There's uh most of it's either uh, about my crazy life or the Ramones. So, there you go. All right. Phil and Andy, sweet or Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. No, thanks it's, for having me, man. We we are all I bathed and everything. <laughs> I thought I was gonna be on video, so I'm all pretty, like, <laughs> trying to look hot for, the, for all the nerdy. Oh, I'm looking at Twitter, but you're stuff, on video, you know, you know. So, but now I'm like, oh, I should have just not bathed today. Right.
0: We're <laughs> we're all massive comic book fans. Uh, all of us grew up with it. It's and just being able to get your insight and you know somebody who's been there in the industry is just really invaluable to us, man. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your life with us and and uh, I'm hoping you get get a little bit more traffic in the store. It's, I've been in there. It's a impressive collection you guys got, and I, I think you guys uh,
2: you got some good days ahead of you, man. Yeah, we're six years and we're still going strong, so we actually need a bigger store. I mean, that's that's the main thing, so I... I, I, I was going to vouch hopefully. for you,
3: so there, surprisingly, there are quite a few comic book shops in the greater Columbus area, and I'm getting back into collecting, so I, I told you the story. I collected as a, a youngster and into... Uh, into the 90s and then in the 90s when the variants and the foil covers and everything just started to run amok and when Image came along and printed millions of all their number one issues, I finally got out of it. And I was also going right into the my college years, so I sold it all for like beer money. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm getting back into it, I started to go into these stores to be like, hey, I want to get back in. And you and Jeff were, like you said... You knew what you were talking about, you didn't pressure, and the selection there is always amazing. So anybody listening, if you're local, World's Greatest.
2: Yeah, come on down. And uh, I I think uh, the one thing, we'll end on this. Uh, Standing in World's Greatest, I tell people, literally within eight minutes of standing in that store, eight minute drive from that store's location, in the 90s there were over 30 comic book stores. If you looked in the phone book, I mean you know back in the day, yeah. there was over 30 comic stores within 8-minute drive. It was redonkulous how many stores were out there. It, so, you know, it, there's you know, we've got some shops in town but it's it's not like it was and the all of the shops now what I think is amazing is 99.9% of the shops. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm all super cool with, Jeff. super cool with, and it's great because we have this great relationship. Gib over at The Ogre, you know, uh, Ryan over at Comic Town, you know, uh, Tony uh, over, you know, uh, Capital City. It's, I'll get a call from Comic Town. Somebody will call me, you know, hey, this is so-and-so. Uh, we don't have this. Do you have this? You know? Back in the 90s, when I had my shop, that's not how it was per se. There was a handful of shops that we were friendly with, a handful. But most, it was very predatory and very standoffish. But everybody's super cool. Gib uh, got screwed by Diamond on some stuff. Hey, you know, uh, do you have these for my pull customer? I'm short. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. You know, uh, Tony, uh, I know your orders on this are kind of low. Uh, do you need a couple of these? Hey, uh, I... I wasn't able to get these books, or they came damaged, and now Diamond won't replace them. Uh, I'm amazed and, and at how well we all play well because we all have our own niches. Um, the The folks at Pack Rat, I've known them for years. Same thing, you know. They they do more stuff with, you know, some uh, uh like Yu Gi Oh or Pokemon or things of that nature. Uh, you know, so you call them, hey, do you have this? Because we don't do anything gaming wise, you know. Uh, and, and that's, that's the best part. I can, I can say that, you know, 99.9% of the shops, that's it. There's no, there's none of that bullshit that you think like, oh, you know, uh, they're the competition, you know, uh, my boss says it best. I'm not here to put anyone out of business. I'm just here to do business. And that's, and and every single time, and Gib has has said this too, he coined the phrase that every single time a comic shop goes under, it hurts us all. And I firmly believe that because that destroys the faith in the comic buying community that, you know, why do I want to get involved in this hobby if one given day I'm going to walk up and the doors are going to be closed and now I can't get my books and where am I going to get them, you know? And uh, so that's it. I I, I have to say, yeah, I I talk funny, still have to be in here for 20 years, uh, but – uh, I, I love the Columbus comic community and I'm very proud to be a part of it. So. Bless We're glad to have two, you here, man. You know, so.
0: <laughs> well, uh, that's been a, a really eventful first uh, interview. I think I've learned a lot. How about you guys?
3: Yeah, no, I learned a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back on for a little follow-up maybe after uh, Legacy gets its uh,
2: yeah, we'll, we'll legs see. <laughs> going. We'll
3: see how it does, but I agree with you. Rebirth right now set the bar. Yes, it
0: did. All right, awesome. Well, thanks again for tuning in to The Hateful Geeks with our guest uh, guest host, Keith. Uh, my name's Phil. This is Sweeney. I'm Andy. And this is Tim. And we're The Hateful Geeks. Deuces.
3: Later. That was wonderful. Bravo.
0: I loved that. It. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, it though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey,
1: boo. Boo.
2: Cold in a trail. Right. Is it cold? we are Burn a nerd sandwich now. Too much, baby. Keep it <laughs> in, you, should. <laughs> have you Have you ever seen uh, Dread Zeppelin? No. Look Rope. them up. Uh, they're amazing. They're a, uh, they do, Led Zeppelin covers reggae, but their lead singer is an Elvis impersonator. You ever heard of Richard Cheese? Oh, Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Sounds
0: unreal. Uh, Richard Cheese? Yes, actually I yeah. have. Hey, he's the shit.
2: Mm. Yes, yes. Get you up, want- Come on, get down mm. with the sickness. You okay. yeah. yeah. um, fucking
0: get
2: up. <laughs> Real quick. And this do I will yes, all the references from the gentleman to my right over here <laughs> yes, in regards to... butt uh, yeah, you know, fucking... Like, yeah, I was, gonna, I was <laughs> not going to say it, so it's recorded. Now they're like, we <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have them saying butt fucking recorded. They're great. Thanks. Hey, we are an hey,
3: explicit podcast. Here. You do not yeah, need to censor yourself at all. All right. Okay. And you can hear us fine,
2: right? Yeah, I can hear you fine.